Welcome you to Crossroads. Uh, again, this is a series that I have been anticipating for some weeks because, you know, I've told most of you guys, I know we have a lot of visitors here, but I've told many of you that I've been to the land of Israel four times and there's no other land known for miracles like the land of Israel. As a matter of fact, the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, happened in the land of Israel. And again, just to have been there, it just it brings a whole different element to when you study the scripture. But when you think about the empty tomb, the empty tomb is the greatest miracle that has ever taken place because the empty tomb actually represents Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave and taking care of our sin and bringing us back to God. Because the greatest miracle of all, come on people, is the miracle of salvation, which we saw on display this morning in the life of Trista and Logan and Laney at the 830 service. So again, it's just always exciting for me, and it's always very emotional for me when we have Baptism Sunday. But this morning, I want to say as we start this series, I, I just want to give you something to think about. You know, if you think about the miracles of salvation and, and being made right with God, when you think about salvation and you think about that empty tomb that made it all possible, the cross, the resurrection, you have to kind of look back and kind of know that there was really in the last 2,000 some odd years, there's only been one day that people did not believe that Jesus was alive. There's only one day that people didn't believe that he was alive, and it was on Saturday. And that Saturday happened between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. On that Saturday, it was just, I mean, there was despair, there was disappointment, there was doubt, there was the loss of everything. And when you think about that, that Saturday, you start to realize that, that thousands of sermons have been written about Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, and rightly so. I mean, sermons should be spoken and preached and taught on those two days because when you think about those two days, those two days are the most significant days in the history of our faith. Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. But we often forget about Saturday. I mean, think about it. We forget about the day in between. We forget about the day between the 
the pain and the victory. We forget about the day between despair and joy. We forget about the day between the bad news of Jesus' death and the good news that had not yet come. We forget about Saturday. We forget about the day between. We forget about the day between the, the biggest letdown and the miraculous comeback. Because you think about that and you realize that those disciples, those people close to Jesus, they, they probably got up on that Saturday morning and they knew, here's what they knew, they knew they had to keep going, but they didn't know how they were going to keep going. I mean, we know that the Bible tells us that they would get together on Sunday. But on Saturday when they got together, they probably got together and they were talking amongst themselves like, what happened? What went wrong? How could this happen the way that it happened? Because here's the thing you have to understand. They didn't see it happening the way that it played out. It was so different. Disappointment filled their hearts. And you know they had to question, was Jesus really who he said he was? I mean, was he really who he said he was? Or could it be that everything that we believed about Jesus and about his life was, I mean, just all a joke? Now think about that, because that had to be the greatest disappointment that those men had ever faced. That was on Saturday. It was on the day in between. And knowing that it was the biggest disappointment that those people ever faced, it kind of sets us up for where we're going to be going the next several weeks. It's just a thought that I'm going to let you see. And the thought is this. That place of your disappointment can become the place for your greatest miracle. I mean, think about your life right now. The place of your greatest disappointment can become the place of your greatest miracle. Because listen, you're going to be like the disciples. Every one of you, and that includes me and those watching online and listening around the world, we're all going to go through those Saturdays. Every one of us is going to have a season where it feels like that in-between time, those in-between days. I mean, think about it, where there's, there's confusion before there's clarity. Days of defeat before we experience the victory. All of us are going to have those days. And knowing that you're going to have that Saturday moment, that in-between moment in your life, It kind of brings us to a place where we, we need to understand that what we do during that time, it matters. How you respond to that in-between time, how you respond to that Saturday in your life, it matters. What you do while you're waiting for a miracle in your life, 
it matters. Today we're kicking off what I believe, notice I said believe, will be a four, probably a four-part series where we're going to look at believing God for the miraculous in our lives. And we should believe God for the miraculous because God is a God of miracles. But let me just be clear. We're not chasing after miracles. We're chasing after Jesus. We're not seeking after miracles. We're seeking after Jesus. And can I just tell you something that I already know? If you follow Jesus long enough, come on somebody, you're going to find yourself right in the middle, in the middle of miracles. Because God is a God of the supernatural. Our God is not a God of the natural. He is supernatural. And that means he operates above everything that you see. He operates above the natural. But there are many people when you talk about miracles. And again, I understand this can be one of those topics that kind of perks the spiritual ears of different people, the believers and the unbelievers. What does he have to say about this? What's he going to say? How loosey-goosey is he going to get? But can I just say, there are many people who believe the, the days of miracles are over. There are many people who believe that the, the time of miracles died away when the disciples died. That because when they died, God's power in the world was greatly diminished. But can I just tell you something? There was never a day of miracles, but a God of miracles. And he never changes. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 13 says that Jesus is the same what? Let's say it together. Yesterday, today, and forever. And that same Jesus where I went to Israel four times and walked in his footsteps, that Jesus that walked the dusty roads of Jerusalem and healed the sick and raised the dead, listen to me, crossroads, he is still the same Jesus today. He is still the same today. But I realize, I do, I do realize that many people, as we begin talking about this, this idea of the miraculous in our lives, that many people face obstacles. And, and there are a couple of obstacles that I think stand out when you talk about miracles and the miraculous in the life of believers. There are a couple of, of obstacles that stand out above all the rest. And I want to confront those. I want to just kind of expose those to you this morning because I guarantee you that you're already thinking about both of these. The first one is this. It's doubt. I mean, think about it. We have a hard time wrapping our minds around something that we can't explain. You can't wrap your mind around something. I mean, when you can't wrap your mind about something that you can't explain and make sense of it all, well, if I can't make sense of it and if I can't explain it, then how could it be? How could it be true? How could it be real? And it brings on the doubt. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. 
that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So here's what I would tell you, cross folks. Don't let doubt keep you from your miracle. Don't let doubt keep you from your miracle. Just because I can't explain it and just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it isn't real. Don't let doubt steal your miracle. Here's the second obstacle. The second obstacle is what I call disappointment. Because we've all been there. I mean, think about it. We've all been there. You, like me, have prayed and asked God to show up. But for some reason, it felt like he didn't even hear your prayer. Or if he did hear your prayer, he didn't provide in the way that you thought he was going to provide. So what do you do? You pull back from praying for a miracle because you don't want to be let down again. You, you don't want to be disappointed. And can I just tell you, there have been many, listen, listen, there have been many prayers that I have prayed. And I did not see God come through the way that I wanted him to. So throughout that series, we're going to be looking at some of this. We're going to be looking at some of that too. And all I can say this morning is don't let your past disappointments keep you from moving forward in faith. Let me say it again. Don't let your past disappointments keep you from moving forward in faith. Because I'm sure most of you know there's a guy in the scripture in the Bible that says, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I mean, here's a guy who says, I believe, but then help me with my unbelief. That's just kind of crazy, but I think that's most of us, if we're honest. Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because from time to time, all of us in this room and those watching online and listening, we've experienced unbelief at some point. So today, if you're here and you're under the sound of my voice and, and you know that there's some unbelief in you about what could happen in your life and the miraculous things that God could do in your life, then just ask Jesus. Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Because see, here's something I know. We all want to experience the supernatural in our lives. But at the very same times that you and I want to experience the supernatural, we don't want to be put in a situation where we need a miracle. We want to experience it, but we don't want to be put in a situation where we need a miracle. Because here's the thing, if you're put in a situation where you need a miracle, you know what that says? You're in a situation or a circumstance where you're in over your head. We don't, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to deal with the problem that requires a miracle. But the prerequisite for a miracle is always a problem. Because if you're not in a mess, am I right? You don't need a miracle. If I'm not in a mess, I don't need a miracle. 
So today, if you have a problem, listen, listen. If you have a problem, I've got good news for you. If you have a problem, you're a candidate for a miracle. And the bigger your problem, come on now, then the bigger your miracle you can expect from God. That's just the way it is. And see, that was the followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus had a problem. Because the one that they thought was the Messiah, the one that they had placed their faith in and given their lives to was dead and he had died. And with him, all of their hopes and dreams went out the window. I mean, think about it. Have you ever wondered why God didn't, you know, just raise Jesus up right after they took him down? Psych! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, get him off the cross, you know. Woo yeah, you know, I mean, give me that cloth so I can get back down. You know, I mean, I mean, why? I mean, we understand and know that Jesus had to die to pay the price for the penalty of our sins. But why did he have to wait till the third day to come back to life? I mean, think about it. Why, why did he have to wait until Sunday? And this morning, I'm just going to tell you, I don't, I don't have time to unpack it all. But there are lots of third-day references in Scripture. I mean, Abraham traveled with his son Isaac for three days to get to the place of the sacrifice. Joseph's brothers were kept in prison and released on the third day. Rahab told the spies in Jericho that they would be released on the third day. Esther was received favorably by the king on the third day. And it tells us in the book of Hosea that it's on the third day that God will restore us so that we can live in his presence again. Now listen to me, there's something divinely significant about the third day. Listen, listen, listen. There's something divinely significant about the delay. The day between. So what does it mean? What, what is Saturday? You know, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, the day between. What does it mean? What does it mean that that day between pain and victory? The day between confusion and, and clarity. What does that day actually represent? Because, listen to me this morning. The tomb of Jesus was sealed shut all day Saturday. And knowing that the tomb was sealed shut, it felt final. It felt devastating. It felt hopeless. And here's what I know. All of us are going to face those very same situations where something in our life doesn't pan out the way that we saw it. And in that situation or circumstance, we lose hope. We've lost hope. But there's something I want you to see. And the thing I want you to see is that there is significance in the silence. 
Listen to me. Yes, it was silent on that Saturday, but it didn't mean that things were over. It was silent on that Saturday, but it didn't mean that God wasn't at work. The silence on that Saturday, it didn't mean that our supernatural God wasn't at work behind the scenes. Because Sunday was coming. And right now, you may be here. God, listen, God may have brought you here, have drawn you here, because you find yourself in that Saturday moment in your life. You thought you came to, to worship. You thought you came to celebrate the baptism of Logan or Trista. But there's so much more here, because God knew that you were in that Saturday moment in your life. You may be one of those people who find yourself in that time. That, that time in between. Maybe this morning you're dealing with something that feels finished, dead. Maybe some of you right now are grieving the loss of a marriage, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job. Maybe you're suffering with the loss of your health or the, the health of one of your children. And you've been praying and asking God, petitioning Him, beating down the doors of heaven, asking God for a breakthrough, for a miracle. But nothing. Everything is silent. Everything is quiet. And I just want you to remember, just because things are quiet doesn't mean that God isn't up to something. I mean, think about it. Without Saturday, Sunday would have never happened. I mean, think about that. I mean, really grasp that. Without Saturday, there'd be no Sunday. Without death, there would be no resurrection. Without defeat, there would be no comeback victory. Saturday is the thing that actually positions us for a miracle. It's a sealed tomb that sets us up for the supernatural. Because sometimes there is divine destiny waiting for us in the delay. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, because, again, some of you, you know, you could draw a lot of conclusions. God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants. Did you hear me? God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, whatever way He wants to do it. And I know that there are many times that God works in an instant. He works in a moment. I mean, let me, let me ask you, have you ever wondered, I, I love to have, have you ever wondered why some people get instant answers to their prayers? I mean, I mean, think about it. You got instant Andy and miracle Molly. I mean, they pray for a baby. A month later, they're pregnant. The baby's born, and from the very first night they brought the baby home, the baby sleeps every night, all night. And you're like, God. Honestly, you're not like God. You're like, 
good for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, you got somebody in your life, they start tithing. They didn't tithe for years. They never tithed at all. They start tithing. A couple of weeks later, what do they do? They get a bonus, then they get a raise, or then they get a new job. I mean, it's, it's like they got their miracle fast. Why did they get an instant miracle? And I'm over here still praying for God to do something in my life. I mean, what is the deal? Does God not like me? Does he like them better than he likes me? Is there something wrong with me? Do I not have enough faith? I mean, have you ever asked those questions? I know you have because I have too. There's a family in the Bible that was really close to Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that this family was some of Jesus' favorite people. These are the people he loved to hang out with. I mean, we all have those people. We have those people we love to hang out with. We just they, These were those people in the life of Jesus. They had been faithful to Jesus. They had cared for Jesus. They had cared for Jesus' disciples. And let me just tell you, they had also given financially to the ministry of Jesus. They had sowed a seed into the ministry of Jesus. It was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were close to Jesus. They cared for Jesus. They lived in a town called Bethany. This morning I want to tell you their story, but I want to say something before I tell you their story because I'm going to tell you, I know some of you well enough to know that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've heard this story a thousand times. You know what? You have. And you know what? You'll probably hear it a thousand more. But can I just tell you about something about God's Word that you may or may not know? And if you do know it, then you just need to meditate on it, that God's Word is alive and active. So every time I preach a story that you've heard before, and honestly, that's going to happen a lot, I just pray that God would show you something that you haven't seen before. It's always my objective to bring you something fresh and new and something that makes a difference in your life. It's alive and active and cuts like a two-edged sword. That's what it's going to do this morning, I guarantee you. Let me tell you the story of Lazarus. John chapter 11, here's what it says. Most of it will be on the screen behind me, so just, just look there and you can listen to me at the very same time. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters, now look, look at this, I want you to pay attention. Sit, the sisters sent word to Jesus. Look, look, look. The sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now notice what it said. They sent word. That's you, right? They sent word. That's the very thing you have done with God. You have sent word. You've let Jesus know about your problem. You've let Jesus know about your need. Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me, the one who loves you. Lord, remember me, the one who, who, who works in Wobbeland, every other Sunday, the one who helps in Upstreet, the one who is on the, the guest services team, the one who helps when they have a need. Remember me, Lord, your servant, the one who cares for other people. Remember me. 
I have a need. But look at what it says next. When he heard this, that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. In other words, this this occasion, this situation is going to be a a place for God to display His power. In other words, there's going to be purpose in the postponement. You see that? There's purpose in Jesus not coming. Because it's going to be a a God opportunity. It's an opportunity for God to show up and show off because that's what God can do. The story goes on in verse 5. Here's what it says. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed right to his side. No, what did he do? He stayed where he was two more days. And you would think, If he loved Lazarus so much, would he not just run to his bedside, kneel at his bedside and pray, and Lazarus would be healed? But no. He stayed where he was two more days. And in just a moment, we're going to see what people believe, scholars and people believe. That he was just a couple of miles down the road, but he just said, no, I'm not going. And he delayed his going. And it wasn't because he had a speaking engagement. It wasn't because he had a community group meeting. It wasn't because he had dinner plans. No. So here's the thing we know. We know that Jesus could have just spoken the word. And Lazarus would have been healed. We know he could have just said it and he would even have had to try, uh, not try, he would have even had to travel to Bethany. Because story after story tells us of Jesus speaking the word and people are healed. The blind can see, the lame can walk. But that's not what Jesus does this time. This time Jesus has something else in mind. So a few days pass. And then in verse 17 we read that Jesus finally goes to Bethany. It says, on his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Here it is. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mary, Mary. No, it's Martha, Martha, Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What what is that? What is that? That's disappointment. That's disappointment in her voice. Jesus, we needed you. You're late. We, we called out to you. We sent word to you. We prayed for you to come. But you never came. I mean, Jesus, you came when we invited you for dinner. But now when we needed you, you weren't here. But then she adds something that I think is so important. Look at verse 22 of chapter 11. 
But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. Jay, leave that up there just a minute. That's a declaration. That's a declaration of faith. That's what that is. What, what that's saying is this. If you hold on to Jesus, people listen to me. If you hold on to Jesus, that place of your greatest disappointment can become the setting for your greatest miracle. Let me say it again. The place of your greatest disappointment can become the setting of your greatest miracle. But there's something that you have to do. You have to hold on to Jesus. Come on. You have to hold on to Jesus. If you're going to experience it. Then it says something in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, look at this, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe? Because here's what I want you to see, Crossroads. For Mary and Martha, it was Saturday. This was their Saturday. This was that in-between time that I'm talking about, that time in between defeat and victory. This was their time between a problem and a promise. Because it's in the in between time that your faith is going to be tested. Do you believe? Will you stand firm when everything around you is falling apart? Will you hold on to Jesus when the ground around you is giving away? I know it looks hopeless, God says. I know it looks terrible. I know it feels like the end is here. But do you believe that I'm able? Do you believe that I am God? Do you know that I have the power over sickness and disease and cancer? Do you understand that I am Jehovah Jireh? I'm your provider. I've got you covered do you trust me? Do you know that? Do you know that I will carry you through your Saturday? And I'll carry you through the in-between time. Will you trust me? And I can tell you that as I look back at my life, even right now, I've had some seasons where it felt like heaven was silent in my life. There was no answer. Times I prayed about something feverishly, and heaven was silent. There was no answer. And if I'm honest, those are the times that have tested my faith. 
But there's something that happens when you hold on to Jesus. There's something that happens when you have nothing to hold on but Him. See, what happens is it actually strengthens your faith. Because you discover things about Jesus in those difficult times that you would never have discovered on the smooth seas. It's in the difficulty. It's in the trial that you get closer to him. It's in the trial that you get a, better, a greater revelation of who he is and all that he wants to be and all that he wants to do in your life. And so Jesus arrives on the scene with Mary and Martha. And they take Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus is. And look, look at what it says. Jesus tells them, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the man, of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor. In other words, what she's saying, can somebody get some candles? You know, I mean, we're going to light some candles because we don't want to smell Lazarus. Can somebody get the Febreze? I mean, we got, we got to take care of this. He's been in there four days. By this time, the odor is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Now think about that, that they may believe that you sent me. That's so important for us to see. But let's keep going. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. R Lazarus was raised back to life. Mary and Martha got their miracle. But see, there's something I want you to see. And the thing that I want you to see is that, that in-between time, that Saturday, in the life of Mary and Martha, it was significant. Because, listen, the postponement of Lazarus' healing, it had a divine purpose. See, now look, 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 look at me. All the people that were around that day, they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. I mean, again, if we looked at the passage, it even says this. He healed the blind. So why didn't he heal Lazarus before he died? They, they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. So they already knew that he could heal. But they had no idea that Jesus held the keys to death, to hell, and the grave. They had no idea that when Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life, that that is actually what Jesus really meant. Listen, 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 listen. It was the delay that gave those people a greater revelation of who he was. 
and who he is and his power and his strength and his might. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say. Listen, 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 listen. God used that delay so that he could get more people in on the miracle. God used the delay so that he could get more people in on the miracle. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have prayed a little prayer about five or six days before Lazarus died. And you know what would have happened? Lazarus would have been healed. But nobody would have got to see the glory and the power of Jesus. You know what they would have thought? They would have thought that Lazarus just got better on his own. He took his meds, got some sleep, ate some matzo ball soup, But when you're dead and in the tomb for four days and your body is starting to decay and all of a sudden you walk out of that tomb, you know what happens? Listen, listen. more people get in on the miracle. There was a divine purpose in the postponement. And Crossroads, here's what I believe God wants you to know. As we start this series, I believe that God wants some of you to know. He's not forgotten you. He's not sitting up in heaven ignoring your prayers. He knows exactly where you are, and He knows exactly what you have going on in your life. And God wants you to know, through me, that He's going to get you from where you are right now to where you need to be. And it may not be in the time frame that you want, but let me just say this and let me reiterate this. God is never late and God never fails. And many times there is divine purpose in the delay. There's something bigger that God wants to accomplish in you and through you. So my prayer is that as you go through that Saturday, that in-between time, that you just keep your eyes on Jesus. That you don't give up in the middle of your Saturday moment because here's what I will tell you. Sunday, listen, listen. Sunday's coming. It's coming. Today, I'm going to close this service in a little different way. Because today, I know that some of you are going through that season, that Saturday season in your life. And right now, you need the prayers of your church and your church family. You need people to be praying with you and for you and over you. So can I just ask you, and I just want to ask you to just please, please do what I ask. All across this auditorium, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Because I'm going to ask you in just a moment after I pray to get out of your comfort zone. I have several of my trusted friends and leaders from Crossroads that are making their way down to the front of these steps. And they're going to pray with you, and they're going to pray for you, and they're going to pray over you. 
And I'm just going to ask after I finish praying that nobody look around, nobody needs to see, nobody needs to watch. Let me, can I just say this? Don't anybody get up and leave. Just sit, sit in your seat for a few moments. And if you have a need for prayer, I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to get out of your comfort zone and to get up and make your way to one of these people. And they will confidentially pray with you and for you and over you. And can I just say, we're going to take as long as it needs to take. And you just tell them what you want them to know and what you need. And they will pray with you right now. And I can guarantee you, every one of those will remember your prayers. They won't tell it to anybody, but they will consistently pray for you throughout this week. So in a moment, when I'm finished praying, if you have a need, get up. And come to one of these people down front and let them pray with you and for you. Would you bow your heads? I mean, they're already bowed, but would you just would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word that it rightly divides, cutting deep. We thank you that it illuminates and allows us to see things that we wouldn't see otherwise. That it gives us guidance and strength to do life, and that it, it always points to Jesus. Because Jesus says, where I'm lifted up, I will draw people to myself. And God, that's what I believe is happening today. You have been lifted up, and right now you are drawing people here so that they can experience the truth and the beauty of your word, so they have an opportunity to be, an opportunity to be prayed with and to be prayed for as they struggle through that Saturday season in their life. All heads bowed, eyes closed. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Can I just ask you, if you will, if you're comfortable and you want somebody to pray with you or for you, get up out of your seat. We'll wait as long as it takes, and then we'll conclude the service with our last song. But get up if you have a need for prayer.
Comfort, and you've never. Failed. 
can become the setting for your greatest miracle. And I believe without any shadow of a doubt that God has brought you here to let you know. He has heard your prayers and he has not forgotten.